Welcome everybody to the Street Speaks podcast, the first episode of the Street Sheet podcast. I am Quiver Watts and I'm sitting here with TJ Johnston. Hi there, I'm TJ Johnston. I am a reporter and assistant editor of the Street Sheet newspaper. Okay, let's start off with a word on the street. My name is Ramsey and I'm here to highlight the headlines impacting homeless people. In September, after a fraught visit to the state of California by President Trump and Housing Secretary Ben Carson's, the White House released a new report called The State of Homelessness. The report recommended using police to make conditions for homeless people who are unhoused even more intolerable. While questioning the effectiveness of the Housing First model that prioritizes housing homeless people and has been shown to be very effective in reducing homelessness, Trump's administration is set to release a plan based on the report in the next several weeks, which could include involuntary lockdowns for unhoused people and will likely focus on Los Angeles. The Trump administration has also tapped a private consultant, Robert Marbutt, a man who has advocated an approach to stop, quote, enabling homeless people to lead the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness. He will replace the Obama appointee Trump fired last month. And other news, Reading's mayor and city council requested a state of emergency classification from Governor Newsom, which would essentially allow the state to incarcerate people simply for being homeless. The mayor argued that the city should be able to force its homeless population, which has risen by 20 percent in the aftermath of the camp and car fires, into involuntary camps where they would not be allowed to leave until they demonstrated sobriety and self-sufficiency. This approach is certainly Ill- illegal, but it underscores the rising support for fascist policies like Trump's that target and criminalize homeless people. Here in San Francisco, the mental health SF legislation proposed by Supervisor Matt Haney and Hillary Ronan and opposed by Mayor London Breed will move forward through the Board of Supervisors after negotiations between the factions resolved last week. The legislation, if passed, will open a 24-hour mental health service center and create a crisis response team to respond to the mental health emergencies in place of a police police response. Also in San Francisco, Mayor London Breed announced a new holiday plan called Love Our City Eco Blitz, a plan developed with private business improvement districts that will supposedly clean commercial corridors with 24-hour service through the holidays, but increasing but increasing DPW patrols forewarns of increased sweeps of homeless people and encampments right in the middle of winter as people's survival gear is more important than ever. Follow our coverage in the Street Sheet newspaper as the reality of the plan unfolds this winter. Last week, the Rules Committee approved an ordinance brought forward by Supervisor Haney that would extend eviction protections for thousands of households in San Francisco who would not otherwise be covered by California's new just cause eviction rules, which don't apply to units built in the last 15 years. More than a dozen people with chronic mental illness are facing homelessness as Van Ness Manor board and care facility is set to close. A court issued a stay of execution to temporarily delay the closure until the Department of Public Health finds placements for the 14 residents who have not yet been placed but they have admitted that placing the remaining people in shelter beds is not off the table. Thank you, Ramsey, for the headlines. So let's talk a little bit about what Street Sheet is. Okay, well, uh, Street Sheet is is a bi-weekly newspaper published by the Coalition on Homelessness in San Francisco. 
and it is the paper which is mostly written, published, and distributed uh, by either homeless people, their allies, or people who have uh, formerly um, experienced homelessness. The paper started 30 years ago, back in 1989. It started out as a monthly paper, but then like a about maybe 10 years or so ago, uh, we changed it to twice a month. And that's pretty much how we uh, uh, publish and distribute the paper, usually on the 1st and the 15th of each month. And one thing that's really great about the Street Sheet is that uh, we have the biggest distribution of any street newspaper in the entire world. So there are actually many of these types of papers that exist uh, in the U.S. and also in countries all around the rest of the world. Um, but we, we put out about uh, 30,000 uh, copies that are distributed in San Francisco and beyond every month. Um, and they're distributed by two, about two or 300 uh, homeless vendors who go out and sell them on the streets and they get to keep all the money that they make. So that's uh, part of what makes this project so unique. And uh, Street Sheets, uh, just to put a more historical context uh, to it, is the oldest continuously uh, publishing a street news uh, paper uh, throughout the world. Uh, we're pretty much a pioneer in that field. Uh, I believe there was a newspaper in New York uh, that was like similar to Street Sheets that um, that was established pretty much at the same time as a Street Sheet, but then folded the, shortly thereafter. Uh, but we've been at it for 30 years. Yeah, that's very exciting. And I, I think we've seen a lot of changes in the last few decades. I mean, certainly when the paper started, um, mass homelessness was starting to grow in the U.S. And it's something that this country has grappled with throughout its history. But um, starting at the end of the 80s, that was around the time that mass homelessness became very visible. Um, and things have really in a lot of ways gotten worse since that time. Unfortunately, there's many more people who are on the streets now. and um, you know, the, the cost of living has skyrocketed, uh, but our purchasing power and, you know, trying to survive on minimum wage, it, it has gotten much harder to, um, to survive and pay rent. Uh, one, I guess one of the things that has changed is that um, the paper started off being a dollar per pop. It's, it's now $2 a pop. Um, our vendors... to, to keep up with cost. To keep up with cost, absolutely. The, the, the living cost of our vendors, uh, may I add. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, as we've had this, like, influx of tech people moving into the Bay Area, um, we've really struggled with folks not carrying cash and ha not having cash on hand to buy the paper. Yeah, and, so and, uh, and as a result, like, you know, we've uh, started uh, uh, selling the paper uh, by the Venmo uh, uh, cashless app. So, yeah, Street Sheet started 30 years ago. Uh, how has you know, in, in trying times as like the newspaper industry has been struggling, how has Street Sheet managed to stay current and relevant? Well, for one thing, homelessness was there like uh, for uh, 30 years and has, uh, or should I say, it became persistently visible like uh, over the past 30 years. And that's pretty much what has been driving our coverage. And uh, in that respect, Street Sheet has been able to uh, to continue. It's kind of like I 
was telling uh, somebody, you know, a few days ago that it's the Street Sheets uh, longevity is both a a blessing and a curse, you know, a blessing that, you know, we have been able to continuously publishing for the last three decades, but it's a curse because the necessity uh, of what we do, we still like, you know, uh, are seeing like, you know, poverty and homelessness on such a large scale uh, that, you know, that it is necessary that we have to uh, cover it and bring attention uh, to the powers of be. Yeah, I guess on that note, like, what are you, what are, what are your hopes for the next thirty years? My hopes for the next thirty years is that nobody would have to experience chronic homelessness. That we won't like see it in anywhere near the numbers that uh, uh, we have watched it grow today. And there have been some like big uh, changes within within the street sheet to respond to the changing times as well. Um, I know that we only recently um, started publishing online. Do you want to talk about that decision and, and you know what what is it meant for street sheet to be an online publication as well? Okay, well, uh, going back into the wayback machine, uh, we <laughs> street sheet originated as a newsletter, not a newspaper, and it's. Uh, it was printed on eight by eleven and a half, like eight and a half by eleven uh, sheets of paper, which uh, you know people just kind of like you know uh, freely gave out on the streets. We became a sort of a tabloid newspaper around 1989, 1990 or so, and there is a an amusing little story uh, behind the, the premiere of that model. Around that time, Phil Collins had a hit song called Another Day in Paradise, which is about a homeless person. And it was a big hit back then. When uh, Phil like, uh, came to play in the Bay Area, um, I believe, I'm not quite sure if it's his people or our people that like, you know, made the approach as far as having a table uh, outside of his concert and uh, give out uh, uh, copies of the paper uh, to people who would be interested in it. Well, it wasn't exactly quite paradise for us because we weren't even able to give it away for free. We had, yeah, we've had, <laughs> we printed so many copies of that the that uh, paper and we didn't know like, you know, what to do with, with that surplus. Somebody came up with the idea, well, maybe we could have, like, you know, people, like, you know, sell it and just, like, you know, move the, the product that way. Uh, I hate using that term, moving product. <laughs> um, but we were able to, like, uh, we were able to distribute uh, the papers uh, that way. And that's kind of like how our vendor program was pretty much born. Uh, wow, that's a fascinating story. So So basically what you're saying is that uh, the failed attempt to distribute papers at Phil Collins's concert um, is kind of what launched this 30-year project that has uh, served as like the primary source of news from homeless people. That sums it up, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. 
I guess one thing that um, that we should talk about is is Venmo. Like we've uh, we've started, you know, to keep up with the influx of tech money and you know these techies who are walking around who don't have cash on them. Um, we just launched a, a way that people can pay for the paper with Venmo. So we have vendors that are actually able to accept Venmo payments in addition to cash payments. Yeah, and that is like a curious uh, d- development. Um, our vendors like have been uh, approaching us and telling us like. We really can't sell the paper to some people because, you know, people only like, you know, spend with plastic or they don't like, you know, or for whatever reason, they don't uh, carry uh, uh, cash. So what has happened is that for vendors who kind of like opt into our system, they start accepting the Venmo payments. There's like a little QR code at the end of their, at, at the reverse side of their photo badge that identifies them as a vendor. Uh, so that uh, people can, you know, whip out their phones, type in like, you know, whatever amounts, wave it over the QR code, and that vendor will get uh, all the money uh, from that transaction. Totally. And it's been really exciting because we've actually managed to, just in the short lifespan of this program, which only launched this year, um, we've been able to redistribute thousands of dollars to our vendors who you know, have been using Venmo pretty consistently since we launched it. So mm-hmm. that's very exciting. And just to just to speak on like the vendor program itself, the benefit of like having the vendor program is that people get to establish a relationship like with the vendors. Uh, some customers uh, who are like our regular customers buy their papers from a specific vendor. The person is like, you know, like buying like a paper that, you know, provides, you know, uh, important information and, and also artwork and poetry. It kind of like, you know, uh, puts uh, both the, the vendor and the customer at least on a uh, on, on a different footing. I like to think that there's like a, something that happens, you know, between that that exchange, you know, that, you know, that there is like a kind of like rapport going on, you know, between the two of them, even if it's just like, you know, even if it just like happens like pretty much like that. Thanks for tuning into this conversation, our first episode of Street Speak. We will take a quick break and go to traffic and weather, and we'll continue this conversation after that.
You just heard All We Can Do by Tay and the Jangladas, a Bay Area-based band. Uh, that was from their album Bloomin'. You can catch them live on December 17th at Brick and Mortar Music Hall here in San Francisco. And now back to our conversation about the Street Sheet newspaper. For folks that are listening, if you're not familiar with our vendor program, um, you probably have seen some of our vendors out at BART stations or on street corners. Um, basically, we have about 250 people who uh, regularly come into our office to pick up papers. They get to pick them up for free, um, and they take them out onto the street and sell them. And those papers are chock full of information that's coming directly from people who are homeless currently, um, have experienced homelessness, or have worked very closely with homeless people um, and talking about the real issues that affect us in San Francisco. Maybe we could talk a little bit about like what is so important about Street Sheet? Like, what is the information that's getting out there that you can't get anywhere else? Well, for one thing, um, to use a highfalutin sociological term, uh, we're getting the ground truth. By this, I mean we are actually getting the information from people directly impacted by homeless and poverty, i.e. people who are indeed homeless. Um, most of the time in any other media, you would hear some government official or some academic uh, pontificate on why we have growing poverty and homelessness. We rarely get to hear the real news like uh, coming uh, from the people who are living it day by day. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what got you involved with the paper? Okay. Well, uh, I got involved with Street Sheets um, pretty much through, I don't know, I guess a, a series of happy accidents. <laughs> I don't know how else I could put this. Um, I think it was like around 2000 uh, where... Uh, uh, a friend of mine suggested that I take a free writing class over at Media Alliance. And I assumed that, you know, the writing, like, was short story writing, you know, poetry. Uh, more of a creative writing class until I found out that it was, like, it was a journalism class taught by somebody who was writing at the San Francisco Bay Guardian at the time. And... Uh, and it was maybe about a half a dozen people who were in the class, and we all collaborated on this uh, this reporting project on poverty pimping nonprofits. That is, uh, nonprofit organizations which have a purported mission to help uh, impoverished people, yet pay their executives six-figure salaries. And that uh, we. Uh, we published like a zine uh, with that story, but in addition to that, but in addition to that, uh, we also uh, ran it in the street sheet in the January uh, 2001 issue. And so did, uh, so after, after publishing that in street sheet for the first time, you, you didn't stop there. Uh, you've, published many pieces in street sheets since that time yeah i know I, I got involved with like other organizations like you know with uh poor magazine i would sometimes like you know submit the stories like independently and like uh they would run those and it was like probably until it wasn't until like 2007 that i began to like c contribute fairly regularly so so nice 
Um, what would you say in that time has been the story that you have been most proud of? Oh, there were like a couple of like a different uh, stories which um, that that I feel uh, particularly like uh, uh, humbled uh, rather that as well as proud, I guess you could say. 2015, I was a part of a peer interviewing project um, uh, with, uh, with a couple of uh, graduate students at, at UC Berkeley. That became the project known as Punishing the Poorest. It involved, like, doing, it involved taking a survey amongst maybe you know, a couple of hundred uh, homeless people. And we've also uh, recorded uh, some 40 video interviews uh, with people uh, you know, who basically ra- ran afoul of the law because they were existing in public. Um, people would like get ticketed by the police for sitting on a sidewalk or for some other quote-unquote quality of life offense. And they would, uh, they would get ticketed. They would be unable to p- uh, pay the tickets. They would miss the requisite court dates. And the next time that they would come in contact uh, with the police department, it would wind up like uh, being incarcerated. And so people have been, uh, people told us about their experiences uh, about being jailed for poverty. And what we pretty much, you know, found out is that it, that experience did not bring them any closer to being housed. What a shock. Mm-hmm. So you wrote about that. Um, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I was like part of the interviewing project with maybe about okay. uh, as part of a team of, of maybe about uh, six or seven other people. And I wrote a story about that uh, uh, in the street sheet. Uh, the other projects that I worked on uh, was occurred this year. And that is the Stolen Belonging Project. Uh, uh, a housing rights organizer and uh, artist named Leslie Dreyer organized this uh, project, uh, assembled a crew of uh, people uh, who who have like you know lived experience like you know with homelessness, and uh, just to back up a little, um, the past few years, uh, the city of San Francisco has been engaging in sweeps of homeless encampments, which uh, city workers namely the police and the public works departments uh, have been pretty much uh, dismantling encampments, taking away tents and also possessions and uh, prized belongings of the people who are living there. Um, it's one thing like, you know, to, to take away the things that you need to survive, i.e. a tent or a sleeping bag. But uh, we were also documenting stories about people who lost their prized possessions that could be and that could be like you know photos of their children uh mementos like you know from their family uh ashes of like you know their grandparents or just uh, just about any anything that they hold dearly and and usually what happens is like you know DPW would just like uh would take the stuff away uh without without uh, 
doing the bare minimum of actually doing the bag and tag that is actually you know just logging down what they ha have taken away so that uh, the residents could go back uh, to the storage yard at DPW and reclaim their materials. Uh, more often than not, those items were just trashed. In some cases, they've been resold on the streets by uh, members of DPW. And um, we've, been a we've uh, interviewed maybe about uh, 40 people like uh, for that uh, particular project. And we even held a rally outside of the DPW yard and to, to call them out uh, for, you know, this theft. Yeah, that's a, that, that has been a very amaz amazing project. And I'll say for listeners, um, if you want to find out more about that project, you can visit uh, the website, stolenbelonging.org. Stolen um, and uh, also check out the most recent edition of the street sheet um, that came out on November 15th uh, that has a lot of these stories, including a really great piece that TJ contributed. Um, and you can read more about what belongings people lost and what the impacts of these extremely invasive sweeps have been um, on homeless people. Cool. Um, and yeah, I guess, uh, I guess that sort of wraps it up for our introduction to street sheet. Um, we want to thank you for listening in, um, and we also want to hear from you. As we launch this podcast, we want to know what your burning questions are. So what do you want to know about homelessness in San Francisco? Who would you like to hear us interview? You can let us know by shooting an email to streetsheetsf at gmail.com. And you could also buy the paper on the streets, or you could also visit us online, streetsheet.org. And the paper itself is also available on social media. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks so much for listening.